0: Welcome to the Master.
1: Listen sermons
0: from
1: our evening stars. It's great to be with you, albeit virtually. Uh, I miss you. If you're somebody that comes to St. Matt's regularly, I miss seeing your face. I miss talking with you. Uh, the person who was supposed to be service leading tonight, uh, Emily Braga, before she got stuck in uh, the Parramatta LGA, uh, had another thing come to mind for her when she thinks of the Book of Jonah. And so I'm going to play that video for you now.
0: Once there was a guy named Jones. And he had bullshit blue shirt and a scarf. I told Jonah to go to, go to Nineveh. But Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. They were bad people. They are doing bad things, like slapping everybody with fists and slapping everybody with bigger fists and even bigger fists. God told Jonah they went far away, but I can't stop loving them. I will give them a new start. No, they don't get do that. I will run away. I will go somewhere, far away, and God will be able to find me. So he went, he got a ticket to not Nineveh, and, he, and then he rode the boat, and then a storm came. The storm was, like, shaking he shake the boat. And then the, the soldiers started throwing everything out of the boat. They all knew it was his fault. So he said, I'm not following God's direction, so he threw me off of the boat. And he fell in the boat. They threw me off at the side of the boat. Wow. So God sent a big fish, whale shark, because I know it's a whale shark, so I can't when she thought he was going to drown, he turned around and he was swallowed by a big fish. When Jonah opened his eyes, he turned on his flashlight. She prayed to God, said, help me. Help me! I will stop running away from you, Lord. After three days, the big the big whale took threw up Jonah on Sandy Beach. And then, and God told him the second time go to Nineveh, and this time uh, Jonah did. And then he um, he told the people to stop being bad and, and do God what God says. But people listened to Jonah and they started loving God. People were so happy that they played a laser tag a lot. <laughs> end.
1: Pretty much accurate, right? I think they nailed it. We're about to have our Bible reading, Uh, and after that, Ron is going to come and preach for us from Jonah 1.
2: Tonight's reading comes from Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went up to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea come down for us? Pick me up, and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights.
1: Well, good evening, everyone. It's uh, great to be with you tonight. Uh, I've got to say, between uh, the dance music inspired by whales at the start of the service and those kids' interpretation of Jonah, I I feel like a bit of a fraud being up here and and perhaps should be somewhere else, but uh, there you go. We come to Jonah and and I want to acknowledge right up front that in Jonah there's some big questions that come up for us as we read the Bible. And uh, probably the biggest of all is, did this guy really spend three days and three nights in the belly of the fish? I mean, it's more believable when you think that Jonah was actually dancing in the belly, I guess. But uh, that's, that's a legitimate question. Recently, a guy by the name of Michael Packard uh, a lobster fisherman spent 30 seconds in the mouth of a whale. So we know you can do that, but what about three days and three nights in the belly of a fish? Well, I guess I want to say that if you think that the miracle of, of, of uh, Jonah in the fish, that's unbelievable, I want to say that there's more unbelievable miracles in the book of Jonah than that. Indeed, The fish is not the main dish. This is not a whale of a tail. And we can't lose sight of the key ideas that are here in the book of Jonah. That's not at all to invalidate those really key, important, apologetic questions. But I guess I just want to say the sermons aren't going to deal with the bulk of them. We might touch on them. But if you want to investigate them, we're more than keen to uh, do that with you. So shoot us an email, ask your questions, and we'll give you resources that will help you with some of those particular issues. The book of Jonah is set in a historical context. 2 Kings chapter 14 tells us that Jonah is a prophet of Yahweh and that he lived in the 8th century in the time of King Jeroboam. We find some real locations in the book of Jonah, historical locations like Nineveh and Joppa and Tarshish. And you can see some of them on that map. And then Jonah also has a broader biblical context. Jesus speaks about the sign of Jonah in the New Testament. He compares Jonah's three days and three nights in the belly of the fish with his own three days in the belly of the earth. He compares the wicked Ninevites with the people of his day and compares the Ninevites favourably with the people of his day. And Jesus tells his generation that they have someone greater or something greater than Jonah amongst them. Well, let's get into it. Chapter 1, it's pretty straightforward. You've heard the story a couple of times in slightly different ways, but the plot is pretty clear. Jonah, uh, God speaks to Jonah. He tells Jonah to go and preach against Nineveh because of its wickedness. Jonah runs from the Lord. He goes as far as possible, as you can see from that map where Nineveh and uh, Tarshish are. He goes as far as possible. But he gets on this ship and the storm ruins his plans. Jonah ends up in the ocean, swallowed by the fish, and there for three days and three nights has a dance party, apparently. The storyline though is not just of a prophet running from God, but of a God, the God, who relentlessly pursues his prophet with unrelenting grace. And not only does he pursue his prophet with unrelenting grace, but he pursues everyone that comes into this story with unrelenting grace. The message of Jonah, you can run, but you can't hide from God's unrelenting grace. We see God's unrelenting grace in the very first verse of Jonah. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Don't underestimate God's grace in speaking, in giving his word. God could choose to remain silent, but in his grace, he speaks to Jonah. He speaks to Jonah's world and in his grace, God speaks to us also. You know, it's easy for us to somehow mystify Jonah's experience of receiving the word of the Lord and therefore be outraged that he would even consider disobeying God's word. Yet the word of the Lord comes to us day in, day out. We have it more complete than what Jonah had it. Yet we know That just because it's complete and clear, just because the word of the Lord comes, doesn't make obedience easy. In fact, maybe if Jonah was looking at us and comparing our response to the word of the Lord to his, he might say, you guys have it, but how often do you listen to it? God's grace is shown in speaking. But Jonah flees the Lord. Now, why does he do that? Why does he flee? Well, it's resolved a little bit later. I think it's resolved a little bit later in chapter 4. But for now, let's just sit in the tension of this. Is Jonah faithless? Is he lazy? Is he fearful? Is he just outright rebellious? Does he have a problem with God. Does he have a problem with the prophetic task? Or does he have a problem with Nineveh? Nineveh. That's where God wants his unrelenting grace to go. But we know that Nineveh are wicked. They beat each other up with fish. Actually, they are really wicked. The Bible says that, that, that uh, the reason God wants Jonah to go is because of their wickedness. But how wicked are they? Their acts of evil are atrocious. Inhumane torture. I was reading one commentary that just made me feel sick and I've censored this for you. Inhumane torture, humans dismembered while they're alive. Body parts paraded around as a demonstration of power and to incite fear into their opposition. The Ninevites were incredibly wicked and God says to Jonah, go and preach to them. Jonah knows of their evil acts. In fact, Jonah has probably had friends tortured by the Ninevites. How quick would you be to go? So here's the problem for Jonah. Either he's going to end up literally ripped apart or the Ninevites are going to listen to the message he says, he brings, they're going to repent and then his friends will hate him because he's that guy who made them miss out on the righteous judgment they deserve. On the end of chapter 1, We don't know the outcome of what will happen to the people of Nineveh. But by the end of chapter 1 with Jonah fleeing, we are invited to consider ourselves and when we run from the Lord and when we run from his word. Are there things that he says in his word that you run from? Perhaps things about human sexuality, Perhaps things about wealth. Perhaps things about forgiveness and reconciliation. Are there things that you're just confused about and so therefore you run or hide from God? Is there some sort of habitual sin or hang-up that causes you to run? Are there questions that you have Are there theological objections, perhaps even like the fish, that just make you, if not run, walk away? Maybe not run, but hide. Try and stay away from God's radar, under his radar. The good news is that this is a story for you. If you're tempted to run from God, this is a story for you. Indeed, it's a story for us. It is a story for the wicked, but it's also a story for unbelievers and a story for believers. You can run, but you can't hide from God's unrelenting grace. Well, the sailors uh, that Jonah meets on the sea, they, they're about to discover this. They sail into this freaky storm, so scared are they that they start throwing their cargo overboard. Which is a pretty sort of not smart business move for sailors who are transporting cargo. They're desperate. They cry out to their gods to try and stop this storm and the captain of the ship wakes up Jonah to get him to cry out to his god as well. The more gods, the merrier is their approach. These sailors had no desire to consider the Lord God on this sailing journey. They just wanted to get their work done. They were happy going about life as it was, worshipping their own gods as they needed. Little did they know that this violent storm was not only going to change the course of their voyage, but was about to change the course of their life. Through casting of lots, the sailors discover that Jonah is the one responsible for the storm. In verse 9 they interrogate him about his identity and Jonah identifies himself saying, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah is running from God, but Jonah hasn't abandoned his faith. He doesn't just identify as a Hebrew, which would kind of be like saying, I ticked the Jew box on my census form but rather he identifies himself as a worshipper of the Lord God. Now, whenever you see the word Lord in capital letters in the Old Testament, it's a reference to the name of God, to Yahweh. Jonah says, I am a worshipper of Yahweh. He identifies himself like that. It would kind of be like a Christian in today's world not just identifying themselves as a worshipper of God, which leaves it pretty vague, but saying, I worship Jesus. That's how clear Jonah is on who it is that he worships. And not only does he identify himself as a worshipper of Yahweh, but he identifies Yahweh as the God of the land and the sea. At this, the sailors are terrified. They're freaking out. What on earth have you done? Why have you come on our boat if you're fleeing the God who's the God of the sea? What did you think he was going to do? And then they get to the point, not just what have you done, but what should we do to stop this storm? And in verse 12, Jonah says, pick me up and throw me in the sea. Then the storm will stop. What a statement of faith. The sailors were right. This isn't an ordinary storm. Jonah knows that this is between him and Yahweh. And so pleading for mercy, the sailors pick Jonah up and they throw him into the sea. And as Jonah hits the raging sea, the raging sea stops. Now there's a miracle. Now had this not been a story about God's unrelenting grace, it could finish right there. Jonah's punished. The sailors escape the storm and head on their way to Tarshish. But the sailors, in their own way, are running from Yahweh as well. And they're about to find that they can run, but they can't hide from his unrelenting grace. Jonah's disobedient excursion is an opportunity for Yahweh to show his unrelenting grace to these disinterested sailors. Yahweh longs to show his unrelenting grace to all people. Yahweh's unrelenting grace changes the course of the sailor's life. But what of Jonah? God could have given up on Jonah at any time. He could have abandoned him. He could have condemned him. But time and again, God shows his unrelenting grace to Jonah. Jonah experiences God's grace in the middle of the storm. God could have let Jonah go to Tarshish. The story could have finished in verse 4, shortest book of the Bible, ever. It could have finished like this and Jonah lived happily ever after in Tarshish, away from the Lord. But God didn't want that ending. And God knows that that's not a happy ending. Yahweh is not spiteful. The Lord God is not embittered, rather he's full of grace. The storm is God's gracious provision to rescue And in that storm, Jonah is compelled to testify that he remains a worshipper of Yahweh. Jonah has a lot more to learn, but he experiences God's unrelenting grace. Ultimately, Jonah experiences that grace in the belly of, of a fish that comes along and swallows him up. And there he spends three days and three nights. The miracle to behold is not Jonah being in the belly of the fish, but Jonah being delivered from a sure and certain death at the bottom of the ocean. Unrelenting grace delivers Jonah from death. Like Jonah, we deserve death for our rebellion against God. But like Jonah, unrelenting grace pursues us, not in a storm, not in a fish, but in the person of Jesus. This is the grace that Jesus spoke about when he talks about the sign of Jonah, that he would spend three days in the belly of the earth, not so that death might be defeated for one, but so that death might be defeated for all. So that all who run might have an experience of God's unrelenting grace. This is what this story is all about. God's unrelenting grace. You can run, but you can't hide from God's unrelenting grace in Jesus. Jesus is the perfect expression of God's unrelenting grace. He is the word become flesh. And Jesus' Easter Saturday, we normally spend Easter Saturday eating food, partying, enjoying time off work. Jesus' Easter Saturday is spent in the belly of the earth where he pays the sin between the cross and the resurrection that show God's unrelenting grace for you and for me. Jesus offers us Yahweh's unrelenting grace. You can't hide from him. He knows where you are. He knows what's causing you to run. He is not embittered. He will not abandon you and he doesn't want to condemn you. Unrelenting grace is on offer for you. Jesus is all we need and all we need to learn is to run to Jesus rather than to run from Jesus. What is it about Jesus? that you might run from? What is it about yourself that might cause you to run from Jesus? The pagan sailors were swamped by God's unrelenting grace. They dive into the depths of God's unrelenting grace and find themselves embraced in the arms of Yahweh. They make vows to him and they worship him. Jonah, on the other hand, is thrown into the depths of the sea. Unrelenting grace pursues him in the big fish and it's there we leave him until next week, wondering how he will respond to unrelenting grace. Where are you like the sailors? And where are you like Jonah? Indeed, where are you like both? Maybe you're assuming that your life has one of those alternate endings. Living happily ever after in a place away from the Lord. Whatever your reason for running, wherever you have run, whatever you're running from, whatever you're running to, know that God's unrelenting grace pursues you and it will not stop pursuing you. You don't have to have the alternate ending. You can run but you can't hide from God's unrelenting grace in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, a deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.